0: Just a note before we start, our show talks about touchy subjects that may be difficult for some of our listeners. Take care of yourself. If you feel you need to seek help, see the links at the end of our show notes for resources.
1: Welcome to Touchy Subjects. The podcast that aims to make those awkward conversations around domestic and sexual violence just a little less awkward. I'm Sean.
2: I'm Allie, and I'm Sierra.
1: And in today's episode, we're going to be discussing human trafficking.
0: This is an episode that we have been wanting to do for a while because uh, the the agencies that we work for are domestic violence, sexual assault service agencies, um, but human trafficking is also one of the uh, issues that we cover as agencies. Um, And so Human Trafficking Awareness Month was back at the beginning of the year, Um, but we had just started and we wanted to do some other basics. So today's another basics episode, Um, just kind of laying the foundation for what human trafficking really looks like here in the United States.
1: Yeah, especially with the uh, current climate and how many people are discussing things that are related to human trafficking currently. I feel like it's kind of important that we start kind of discussing human trafficking to help break down some of the misconceptions and myths that people might have around human trafficking, as well as how human trafficking can take place and does take place in the first place.
2: So to put this in perspective just a little bit, um, human trafficking is essentially modern-day slavery. Um, It is a multi-billion dollar criminal industry that um, denies freedom to 25 million people every single year um, worldwide. So traffickers will trick, defraud, or physically force their victims into selling sex, or they might lie, assault, and threaten or manipulate victims into working in inhumane, illegal, or unacceptable conditions. And another thing to consider when it comes to human trafficking is that if there's a minor involved, um, it is always considered human trafficking, regardless of force, fraud, or coercion, or anything like that.
1: So when we're talking about human trafficking, oftentimes people immediately jump to thinking about sex trafficking first because that's the one that tends to get the most media focus on it. But when we're looking at human trafficking, we can really break it down into two kind of different categories, being sex trafficking or labor trafficking. So your sex trafficking is going to include things like prostitution, pornography, phone sex lines, stripping, live sex shows, mail-order brides, Kind of things like that where people can be either selling sex or sexual acts where labor trafficking is going to be more like domestic servitude, working in the service industry, working in like hair or nail salons or construction jobs, working agricultural, janitorial, kind of stuff like that where a lot of those jobs are going to probably not make a whole lot of money or not pay a whole lot of money. So the desire for a higher profit margin is going to be there. So they're going to try and either get those jobs done for free, so they'll use labor trafficking as a means of doing so, or they also tend to be jobs that are more background. They're not front and focus. So it'll be a lot easier for them to have trafficking taking place because those aren't typically the people that we're going to be seeing.
0: And to reiterate what Sierra was saying earlier, Human trafficking in any capacity has to have the use of force, fraud, or, co- or coercion involved. However, that looks different in a lot of cases. Human trafficking is it's, it's, a, its a large problem, and we know it's a large problem, but because of the nature of the issue, it's hard to get into specifics and generalizations of how this happens because every situation is unique. For example, there are individuals who decide to participate in sex work on their own without force, fraud, or coercion being present. However, if that situation turns into something where one of those uh, stipulations is present, that's when it can be considered human trafficking. And another thing just to reiterate is that when there is sex trafficking with minors, force fraud or, co- or coercion do not need to be present for it to be considered human trafficking. Any type of sex work with minors is illegal.
1: Right. And looking at the different things that I had listed for like sex trafficking is like like you said Allie, sex work if there's no force fraud or coercion present and the person's not a minor, it's not technically considered sex trafficking. Whereas if someone's participating in prostitution and they're being forced to do it, yes, obviously. And the one that I really want to point out is strip clubs, just because people always like look at me funny when I'm doing a presentation. and They're like, what do you mean strip clubs can include sex trafficking? Well, a lot of times when people are working for strip clubs. They are contracted workers. They're not actually employed by the club. So the women who are working there have to pay the club a certain fee order to be up on stage or they're contracted just to be there for a certain amount of time. And then their employer takes whatever percentage of the money that they made that night. So while, yes, they may not be forced into performing sexual acts for people, they might be they're not making all of their money that they could be making normally. So they are losing some money or that money is being taken from them by the club owners. And maybe about working in the club, the club owners are forcing them to do some form of sex act to their to the people coming into the club. So there's a lot of things that can go into like sex trafficking that have these different nuances or have different um, places or locations that they can take place. So basically just needing any form of force, fraud or coercion to be present in order for it to be considered sex or labor trafficking.
2: Uh, Just going off of that real quick too, um, initial consent is not continued consent. Um, And so in this capacity or in a legal capacity, Even if somebody consented to whatever sexual act um, prior to force, fraud, or coercion um, happening, once that does end up happening, then consent doesn't matter and money doesn't matter. That is still considered um, sex trafficking legally. Now, we want to give our listeners
0: some sort of idea of how often this happens in the United States However, just like with domestic and sexual violence, human trafficking is a crime that is often underreported. So the numbers that we, are, we have access to are likely just a fraction of what the actual problem is in the United States. However, the numbers that we do have are from um, the Human Trafficking Hotline. And um, to put it into perspective, for 2019... Um, there were 11,500 cases of human trafficking reported to the hotline. Now, those numbers can be broken down a little bit, but 11,500 cases, and that can include multiple victims in each of the cases. Um, So the numbers are staggering. They're high. And for a lot of people, those are going to be surprising numbers because the words human trafficking have long held a meaning that is international, right? Um, That it can't happen here, that sex trafficking and human trafficking don't happen here in the U.S. Um, But that's just not true.
1: Yeah. And another issue that we run into also when trying to use statistics for showing the prevalence or the amount of people that are just being victimized by human trafficking in the U.S. is that because prostitution is illegal, a lot of times when victims are found, they are just labeled as prostitutes or they are committing an illegal act of prostitution. So therefore, they're not being labeled as a trafficking victim. So we're still missing out on those numbers as well because we're just not simply recognizing women who are being forced into prostitution as being victims of human trafficking.
0: Another clarification to make with human trafficking is that human trafficking does not equal human smuggling. So uh, a misconception about human trafficking is that bodies have to be moved across state or country lines for this to be present. And that's not true either. Um, so, for example, human trafficking can happen uh in one's own town, in their state, um, and even in one's own home, a lot of times victims are trafficked by family members.
2: So, just like domestic violence and sexual assault, human trafficking can happen to anyone, regardless of um, race, religion, color, um, sexual orientation, anything like that. However, there are more uh, there are some people who are more vulnerable than others when it comes to human trafficking. So some of the significant risk factors to be aware of um, are if you've recently migrated or been relocated to a new area, um, if there's substance use present, if there's any sort of mental health concerns, um, involvement in the foster care system, a runaway or homeless youth, um, things like that. Traffickers will use... um, vulnerability of their victims in order to leverage um, or to have leverage over them and they will play on those vulnerabilities to make it sound like they can provide something better Um, and we'll get more into that later too but yeah just so we're clear on that is that there are people who have more um, more of a risk factor when it comes to human trafficking
1: and when we're thinking about risk for human trafficking or being vulnerable to human trafficking One of the things that I often discuss with people is I want you to just think about your price. I want you to think about your current living situation, everything that you have going on. And what could I or somebody offer you that would make you give up your current living situation in an attempt to have potentially a better life? For a lot of us listening to this, that's probably not going to be a very small amount of money. Like, I, I know for sure if it was a grand for me, not doing nothing for a grand that I'm not sure about. That sounds sketchy. That's too good. 10 grand, now we're getting up there a little bit for me more. 100 grand, that's for sure paying off my student loans. So like whatever you need me to do, like I'm going. Because that frees me up a bit now. Or that takes away a very large stressor in my life. But if I have a lot of those risk factors or those vulnerabilities to trafficking, if my home life is bad or if I am a runaway or foster youth, If I am in a community that is viewing me as an other or that I don't view as supportive of me, and I find somebody who is offering me that support, offering me that chance of finding a good home life or the love that I'm not receiving at home, that makes it a lot more easy for me to give up my current living situation and go into that situation.
0: So... We've talked with domestic violence about the use of power and control by abusers. And in the issue of human trafficking, those that power and control is also present, right? Um, so a lot of times people will question how victims even get into a situation of human trafficking. Um, and a large amount of the time it is because they have been promised something that would make their life better, right? Whether it be money or paying off a debt or for individuals that are around drugs, maybe they have um, debts or they have an addiction. Um, And on a more human level, a lot of victims are victimized with stories and promises
2: of love and relationships and being taken care of. With all of that being said, one thing that we should address right now Uh, is one of the common misconceptions about human trafficking is that human trafficking looks like a Liam Neeson taken movie when that's not necessarily true. Um, Human trafficking doesn't have to be, and most oftentimes is not a stranger coming in, um, kidnapping or forcing um, somebody into their vehicle or um, whatever else you think of when you initially think of human trafficking. Um, human traffickers will often make relationships with their victims. They will get to know them. They'll use social media and they'll learn enough about them to know what questions to ask to get people to open up to them. And so it's not something where it's, oh, I just, I just met the stranger and he instantly was like, hey, I'll love you if you come live with me or I'll give you a thousand dollars if you come do this or, you know, things like that. It's not like that. It's more like Hey, like, how's your day going? It looks very much like normal conversations repeated over time. So, it's not just something that's a one and done. It's a constant um it's a constant fight by these traffickers trying to keep building that relationship and get your trust so that they can then make these promises and because you trust them and you've been talking to them for so long, you're more likely to follow through with it. It's much like it's much like what abusers in
0: domestic violence relationships do, right? Um, it's it's that persistent pattern, right, of power and control. Um, this is how I, you know, this is how I prove to you that I'm the only person that you need. And um, those who uh, are human traffickers are use many of the same tactics.
1: Yeah, it's why you'll hear a lot of victims or survivors saying things like, "Oh, that was my partner, or, it was my boyfriend." They don't refer to the person forcing them into sex trafficking as a pimp. They might, but most often it's probably going to be like, oh, that's my partner or that's my friend or that's my boyfriend because that person has built the relationship with them in order to get that power and control that they need over them to put them into trafficking.
0: I want to note, too, that when we're talking about how victims find themselves in human trafficking situations, um, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about technology and the ways that individuals are lured into situations that can turn into human trafficking very quickly because of the internet, because of chat rooms, because of websites, because of texts and Facebook and, and whatever it is. Um, it, it's, technology is something that, you know, we've talked about with the safety of our children before as well. Um, and, and in many of the same ways, victims of human trafficking um, find themselves in the same situations online.
2: You know, that's a really good point because um, just last year when I was doing some presentations, I was invited to a school to do some presentations just on like internet safety and just a brief touch on human trafficking because um, apparently they had had some students who had stunk out of their house in the middle of the night to um, go and meet with these people that they had met online and had been talking to online um, for quite some time and they were lucky enough to be able to get out of that situation, but it had just been, they had accepted a random Facebook friend request and they started answering the messages that were sent to them. And then it, I mean, it was right here, right, right near our three areas. Um, so again, that is just something to be aware of when it comes to social media is that might just seem harmless to accept that friend request or, um, respond to a message, but I mean, if you think about how you were when you were a teenager, like, you know, 13, 14 years old, somebody wants to give you attention and they're, you know, they're trying to give you something that you feel like you've been missing out on. That's a pretty vulnerable space for you to be in. And you're more likely to then go ahead and answer that and get caught up in that.
1: Traffickers will ask, like, ask those questions when they're chatting with them and stuff online is like, oh, like, how is like your home life and everything? They're probing questions, and if they can get the right person to answer those questions like, oh, it's really not that great, or I'm having a really rough time at home and stuff right now, or it's like, my parents are just always over me and just always like blah blah blah, that opens the door. It makes it easier then, it gives the traffickers something that they can manipulate then in that child. So again, it not only goes to the point of parents knowing what their kids are doing online, But it's also making sure that parents are being accepting and open and loving to their kids at home. It's those parents that say, oh, if my kid's gay, I'll kick him out of my house. Like, well, you've just set your kid up. This person you are supposed to love and take care of to become a victim of human trafficking, of sexual abuse. And you're failing your job as a parent then.
2: I think we should talk about parents just for a quick second, because I know Um, with all of the craze that's going on around human trafficking on social media right now, parents are very much um, into this whole Save Our Children movement, Um, which is great in theory. However, they're not practicing this at home. And we've already mentioned it once that um, human trafficking most often happens within the family. And we've mentioned this when it comes to domestic violence and sexual assault as well. But as parents, if you are truly passionate about stopping human trafficking, these conversations have to begin at home. You have to make sure that you're, one, listening to your children if they say aunt so-and-so or uncle so-and-so or, you know, whatever um, has hurt them or made them do X, Y, or Z. Uh, Because, I mean, we know the statistics show us that human trafficking, sexual assault, all this kind of stuff is happening uh, by romantic partners, by... um, by aunts and uncles and family members. And, um, you know, the list just goes on and on. So these conversations need to start happening where you are empowering your children and having these tough conversations, which I know we did a whole soapbox episode on um, talking to your kids about bodily safety um, at one point. And if you haven't listened to it yet, you need to. Um, But, you know, just just to add to that point of this is so important and it's not just something that you see on tv or social media it's very much real and right in front of our faces
1: i would even take that a step further too and say that if you are like obviously if you have family members and stuff who have kids and you're suspecting that maybe their parents are the one putting them in trafficking as well don't be afraid to talk to that kid or don't be afraid to call the national hotline and report it because Parents traffic their kids, too.
2: Another thing just to point out right now, too, is um, according to 2019 statistics by the Polaris Project, the average age for human trafficking um, as of 2019, like I stated, is 15 years old. So put that into perspective, again, of just how how you're talking to your kids about being safe online or being safe with family members or whatever else that looks like in this context.
1: So I do want to bring us back though, to labor trafficking because just like our conversation is kind of just dove in right into a discussion on sex trafficking. That is typically what happens normally when people have discussions on human trafficking is sex trafficking is the one that gets all the limelight and labor trafficking just kind of gets overlooked or just briefly mentioned. So, Like we mentioned, the locations and stuff that labor trafficking can take place, the reasons for labor trafficking is because they want to make a profit, and they're working in a business or running something that is probably not going to be making them a whole lot of money, so their profit margins are already going to be low. So they're going to look for people who can work for them for little to no money with the sole purpose then of being able to just turn as much of profit as possible. I think the message that we get a lot of times with labor trafficking revolve around people bringing bringing other people into our country in order to work jobs like work on farms and things like that. Which, yeah, that can happen. But again, just like with sex trafficking, labor trafficking often takes place within a community or it's going to be taking place within the country. It's not every victim of trafficking is being brought across the borders into the United States. So like for an example of a potential like labor trafficking situation. I am sure we have all seen the posters or these pieces of paper that are posted up on telephone poles that say like need um need employment 1995 an hour, no experience needed, just call this number. It's like that sounds like way too good to be true. It's like $19 an hour for no experience and no education needed. That could sound that kind of sounds a little sketchy to me. The rule of thumb that I often use with people is when I'm educating on sex trafficking, on labor trafficking, if a job opportunity or something that you're being told sounds too good to be true, it probably is.
0: So, Sean, that was a really good summary to kind of end on because um, we've talked about some myths and misconceptions today, but we really want to dive into uh, s- into that more next episode Um, because that's one of the reasons why, um, human trafficking is so prevalent in the United States is because there isn't a great understanding for it. Um, so next episode, we're going to be talking about some of those things and also some of the conspiracies that are going around right now, um, especially on social media. And, uh, we'll touch base on our thoughts about those and, um, kind of deconstruct where the facts are and maybe where the myths are.
1: So thank you all for listening today. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Touchy Subs Pod to keep up to date with everything we have going on. Email any questions, comments, or concerns to touchysubjectspodcast at gmail.com.
2: And in the meantime, don't be afraid to challenge, ask, and discuss when it comes to touchy subjects.